Hello, all you beautiful misfits and rejects out there. Thank you for joining me for another episode of Misfits and Rejects, episode 88 with Leon Logothetis. He is the host of the Netflix documentary series, The Kindness Diaries. And we had a rad conversation about his endeavors to get around the world solely on kindness. He's done multiple trips around the world. He's walked across America and he relies solely on the people's kindness that he encounters to either take him home, feed him, put gas in his motorcycle, in his car if he's driving, and just kind of shows that the world is full of genuinely good people who are here to help. And that's the message that I really liked when I spotted him on Netflix and asked him to come on the show, which he was kind enough to do. So I hope you get a lot out of this episode because I think it's got a really rad message. And please remember, if you want to support Misfits and Rejects, you can do it on Patreon. Patreon is a platform that allows fans to support content creators like myself through monthly donations. And whatever you donate is very much appreciated. And if you can't donate, just sharing Misfits and Rejects with a friend is also greatly appreciated. So with that said, sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode with Leon Logothetis, the host of The Kindness Diaries. Enjoy. Welcome to Misfits and Rejects, a podcast about the lifestyle design of expatriates, travelers, entrepreneurs, and adventurers. I'm your host, Chapin Cruder. Enjoy. I didn't fit in America. With cocaine, there's just always too many guns and too many bad attitudes. I quit the limiting stories. Really try to overcome that fear. And right there, for any of your listeners... A lot of what I was to do in the rest of my life was formulated by the fact I just went and did it. Welcome to another episode of Misfits and Rejects. Today I am joined by Leon Lagothetis, the host of the Netflix documentary series, The Kindness Diaries. Somebody who I just found on Netflix reached out to and he was kind enough to come on the podcast. And I really appreciate his time because I really connected with the message that he was sending through his um, series, you know, that you can make your way around the world with no money and, and people will help you out. And it's something that I did many years ago with my best friend. We hitchhiked around the world and, and I really found the similar, similar experiences happening to me in, in the same places that you did, Leon. So with that said, Leon, welcome to the show. Thanks very much for having me. Yeah, it's a pleasure, dude. And I'm, I'm really interested in hearing more detailed, um, more details about your experience because, like I said, in 2003, I, I hitchhiked around the world with my friend and went through the, uh, the same countries that you did, you know, Mongolia, India. Um, I know Mongolia was a different trip for you, but just found people were just overwhelmingly kind. And before we kind of start on your initial motivation for this, can you just give the audience and myself a little bit about your background and your upbringing? Sure. So I used to, uh, actually I grew up in London um, and uh, I used to be a broker in London and, uh, you know, on the outside I, I had everything, but on the inside I really had nothing and no one really knew that except, except me. Um, and I would go to work every day and feel disempowered and feel depressed and feel uninspired and like I had no real sense of purpose. Um, and I stumbled across the movie The Motorcycle Diaries which I'm not sure if you've seen it, but it's a romanticized version of Che Guevara traveling around South America relying on kindness. And um, there was something profound to me about that because it's interesting. His father wanted him to be a, uh, a doctor and uh, he just he didn't want to stay in Buenos Aires. He wanted to go out and see the world. So it kind of pushed me and nudged me towards doing something similar. Um, and that's really how it all began. Can, can we talk about that? Because that's a giant step going from 
um, being a broker to giving it all up to start? I mean, what was your initial thought of what you were going to start when you did decide to quit your job? Well, there's a long version of the story and there's a shorter version of the story. I'm happy I, if you give me either one, dude. <laughs> um, look, you know, I, I think for me, I was in so much pain emotionally that the pain got to the point where it pushed me to change everything. Um, had I not been in so much pain, I would still be a broker in London. That's the reality. But the pain nudged me over the edge, and I'm grateful for that. Um, and now, actually, a wise man once said that pain sometimes pushes you, and then the calling pulls you. Um, and now I feel like I have a calling to, you know, just go out into the world and, if I can, in my own little small way, touch some lives and inspire some people to think to themselves that they don't have to sit behind that desk. I mean, if they want to sit behind that desk, that's great. But if they don't, there is a way out. Um, I mean, can we may touch on the few like key points of the long version? Because that way out, I think, is where a lot of people struggle. And, and, that, and that fear factor is, I know, a big one for a lot of people leaving that secure job, that one that you had as a broker. Um, and I know that you were being drawn and, and that, and that kind of, you, you reached that tipping point. Can you just articulate maybe that first step? What's the first thing you did when you said enough's enough and, and what kind of forward movement did you make? Yeah. I mean, the first thing I did, and again, it, it took time. Like you said, I reached a tipping point, but sometimes to get to the tipping point takes years. So I had reached that tipping point by sitting behind that desk, by feeling uninspired. And then the tipping point was the movie. Literally, after watching the movie, um, within a, a couple of weeks, I'd quit my job and I'd started to plan my first journey, uh, which was walking across America from Times Square to the Hollywood sign, uh, relying on the kindness of strangers. So once the tipping point had been reached and I'd fallen off the cliff, let's say, um, everything started to, to be put into place. That's great, man. And that's uh, a really interesting way to start. You know, you really sound like you dove right into the deep end. And, you know, for a lot of listeners out there who think this takes a lot of money, it, it doesn't, especially when you're relying on the kindness of others. You can literally walk out your front door. And if you're open to whatever happens, I mean, the world seems to take care. Is that kind of what you experience? Yes. And, and I don't want people to think that my journey was Pollyannish in the sense that it didn't always work out as planned. I didn't quit my job and then everything, you know, the heavens opened and everything worked out. It didn't. Um, after finishing my first trip, I ended up moving to Los Angeles and I started uh, uh, working in the corporate world again, not as a broker, but in, in Hollywood. Um, and that continued for five, six years, not in a particularly pleasant uh, way for me. Uh, again, I remember walking into the office and, and being very depressed. And the final act in this Greek drama, let's say, was um, happened in 2013 when I was walking down the street uh, in Hollywood and I saw this chap, a homeless man with a sign that said, kindness is the best medicine. And there was something about that sign that kind of reignited my passion to find, my, find myself and find my true life. So I quit my corporate job once and for all and I've never, I've never gone back. So it's not a, a straight arrow up you know, life sometimes has dips often. So I don't want people to think, oh, you know, it's easy for him to say that he quit his job and everything worked out. It didn't work out that way. Sometimes bad things happen and you just got to keep going. 
Absolutely. Um, you know, with the connections that you made in Hollywood, was it easier for you then to kind of move in the direction of producing, you know, the kindness diaries and, and then taking that next step to really help you get your message out there? Yes, because I had been uh, working in that industry and, you know, for me now, there's no point in me doing something for me. This is a personal opinion that there's no point in me doing something like the kindness diaries if no one's going to see it because I want people to see it, to be inspired, to go out into their world and do something magical. That's really cool, man. Um, thank you for doing it because I think it does touch a lot of lives. And I love your introduction, you know, the introduction of the Kindness Diaries where you talk about the fear that's put into us by the media and, and by maybe even our families, our close friends about going out into other countries and experiencing the things that um, could potentially happen, you know, anywhere. But it could also happen in your backyard. Did you find as you kind of wandered around the world any of those um, – false fears to maybe come true or was it always would you always find it just completely contradicting what you were encountering look there's always moments where bad things can happen uh just because uh, like for me the news maybe says a lot of negative things about the world uh but that doesn't mean that those negative things don't happen from time to time they do but as you said earlier you traveled the world and you saw so much kindness and so much goodness and the majority of the time, there is goodness and there is kindness. But that doesn't mean that if there's goodness and kindness, you're not going to sometimes come up against things that are not good. Because you are going to come up against things that are not good. Um, it's not a Pollyannish world. But the majority of the time and the majority of the people that we meet and the majority of the experiences that we have, or I talk for myself here, have been highly positive. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Um, you know, I've been around the world a few times now and, and had very few experiences that were negative. And the one, the few negative ones I did have were in some of the most civilized societies. You know, I just left Nicaragua, as I told you, um, not permanently, just for a month or two. And the situation is at unrest down there. You know, the government has been oppressing its people for a long time and the people are rising up and navigating around the country is, is more difficult. Did I feel unsafe at times? Yes. Did anything happen to me? No. You know, there's always a person there who says, hey, come in this house now because it's not safe to be outside. I felt um, that there was always kind of somebody looking out. Yeah, and that's been my experience too. Um, yeah. Um, so when you were navigating around the world with Kindness One, your, your motorbike, um, I, I noticed you noted throughout the documentaries that you're having motorcycle issues. Were, was there always something nearby or some place nearby, someone nearby who was able to get that thing running again? Yeah, Kindness One looks good but uh, doesn't really run very well, which is a bit of a problem if you're trying to cross Earth. <laughs> um, but look, I would always be helped. And, and, and you know, it doesn't mean that the moment it broke down, people would flock to me. No, it didn't happen that way. Sometimes I'd wait hours. But ultimately... It was a perfect way to connect with people because obviously, as you know, it's a motorbike with a sidecar. It's old. It looks cool. And it's a perfect conversation starter. Um, so people would always want to be of service. They would always want to help. They would always want to know what, what on earth are you doing on this? And once you connect with someone, even on the smallest of things, then magic can happen. Yeah, let's talk about some of those magical moments. Um, you know you're obviously making this series you have your crew kind of capturing it behind behind the scenes 
were you ever lonely? I mean, were you always connecting with people? I mean, I know you, you'd show us that some nights you're, you're sleeping on the beach in Thailand or because you couldn't find a place. Um, did you ever feel alone? Of course. I felt alone a lot of times, even though there was a crew with me. Um, I did. I did feel alone. And that's, I think, part of the human condition. And that's one of the reasons why I went out into the world, to meet the world, to assuage my loneliness. Because we're, we're all human beings, and human beings often feel alone. And what a beautiful way to defer that loneliness than by, you know, connecting with another human being. That's really what it's all about. That's true. I totally agree. I think though at times, you know, when that loneliness strikes and, and you're and you're not connecting to other human beings, um, there's healthy ways and unhealthy ways maybe to deal with it, you know, and unfortunately, um, Anthony Bourdain, you know, just passed away recently at at his own hands and that loneliness seemed to envelop his being and he couldn't really escape it and didn't have maybe healthy outputs. And so I'm just always curious as, you know, as an individual who has experienced it like we all have, do you have any healthy ways that you like to try to deal with that loneliness when it overcomes you? Yeah, I mean, one of the most beautiful ways is simply to connect to another human being. Um, and uh, one of the most profound ways of connecting with another human being is by being kind. Uh, because when we're kind we show that other person that they matter. And when we show that other person that they matter, we feel good about ourselves. And there's that little magic between that little kind of feeling of connection that is so inspiring and so life-affirming. And it's a simple act of kindness that can make us feel better and make the other person feel better. It's like a win-win. That's so true. And that was really articulated in, in one of your episodes when you were in India, actually the, the multiple episodes where you were in India. And I spent some time in India as well and, and was treated the exact same way as you being on the trains and meeting an Indian family who would invite us out into the middle of nowhere to stay with them for free, not asking for anything. And I noticed, and you obviously make that clear throughout the whole series that, you know, for very specific um, situations, you, you, you give, you give back, um, and you have your own criterion, which you do it, but you know, you changed a lot of lives throughout the trip by either giving, you know, family and their children education, giving that one dude a tuk tuk. Um, have you ever kept in touch with them and, and seen how that, that gift has continued to change their lives? I have not all of them, but some of them, for example, the Indian chap, the tuk tuk driver, I definitely stay in touch with him. He's, uh, when I was last in India, uh, we spoke and he said to me, Mr. Leon, I want to come pick you up in my tuk-tuk. This was in Delhi. And you know what Delhi traffic is like. And I said, ah, please, no, no need to come pick me up in your tuk-tuk. And he's like, oh, Mr. Leon, I'm coming. I was like, okay, dude. So he comes to the airport in his tuk-tuk and drives me to his house. And he's, he's got a new place. Uh, you know, his kids are in a new school. And it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. No, that's cool, man. How long was that trip? That How long was it around the world? How long did it take you? Uh, about five and a half months. Five and a half months. And, and approximately how many people um, took you in over that five and a half months? Was it every single night or were there kind of break nights? Yeah, there were nights when I didn't uh, find a place to stay. I uh, slept in the – as you know, I slept on the streets uh, in Pittsburgh. I slept in the, in the sidecar of the, of the bike. There were many moments where people didn't help, and that's part of life as well. The show is not just, oh, a man goes around the world and everyone's kind to him. That's not what happened. Some people weren't, which is okay. 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, people have their own lives and circumstances which aren't always in, in the best situation to help. So, um, so when I just have a quick side note because I, I know you went to Mongolia um, on a different trip when you drove. I think you were trying to raise, what, 10,000 books um, for children or people, and you were driving from London to Mongolia. What route did you take when you, uh, to get to Mongolia? That's a good question. If, I'm, if my memory serves me correct, I went through Russia, then I went to Ukraine. No, no, I went Ukraine, Russia, um, Kazakhstan, Uzbekistan, Turkmenistan, back into Kazakhstan, then to Mongolia. Wow. I mean, those are a lot of stands there that I think as far as an American, um, we get a lot of negative input on. Can you talk about the kind of people that you met, you know, in the Middle East and, and what their reaction to you was? There was so much deep kindness and, and love. Uh, they put us up in their houses. They let us sleep in, in tents in their barns. I mean, I remember I was in Uzbekistan and uh, got lost. And I went up to, I was with a friend at this time. We did the journey together. And I went up to uh, this guy and I told him I was lost. He didn't understand me. He said, don't worry, hold on. In his language, I will get a friend. I realized what he was saying. The, the friend understood. They invited us to have dinner with them. Then they invited us to, to sleep in their barn, in our tent. You know, it was, it was just beautiful. They're just human beings. They're just like us. They're just like you. They're just like me. They're the same. There's no difference. I mean, that's what I find so um, challenging about watching the news and reading the newspapers. And Oh, they're different. No, they're not. You're right. And I think, you know, as you've articulated many times throughout this conversation, you know, that connection and striving to make that connection is where we all come to common ground. And I think that, you know, sometimes myself, you know, I'll be standing on the wall at a party and, and looking at the crowd and not even knowing it, but, you know, judging the whole situation or people within that crowd and, and not really making the effort to connect and try to understand them and the shoes that they're walking in. And then that separation is created where then I lose, I lose that opportunity to make that connection and possibly a new friend. And I think that a lot of people out there might feel the same way that I do. And, and it, it, it comes down to really, I think, you know, putting your hand out or opening your arms. I love how you hug everybody throughout the whole series um, after they, they give you the, the green light to come stay with them. I think that's really cool. Yeah, I I don't know why that started to happen, but it did. And now I hug everyone. <laughs> That's really great, man. Um, you're uh, going back to Mongolia. I had one more question about that. When you were in Mongolia, did you culturally find that um, to be a very aggressive place? Because when I was there, I found it to be extremely aggressive. In what sense? Um, well, I was living on the streets in Ulaanbaatar and obviously subjecting myself to a, a, a different type of situation and, yeah, there was a lot of violence around me, a lot of um, obviously poverty and stuff, and just found myself feeling tremendously unsafe at most times. How did you find that? I, I mean, I, in Mongolia, I wasn't living on the streets, so I, don't, I, I didn't experience that. I, I, I experienced Mongolia as, as, as specifically outside of the main cities as beautiful and very, very kind-hearted people. But obviously, when you go into the centers... Um, there is a lot more poverty and there's a lot more alcohol abuse, so I can imagine that uh, there would be a little it would be a little bit more challenging. 
Yeah, it was, you know, a circumstance in which we obviously chose to subject ourselves to. And I mean, I still had an amazing time. And we were taken in by a family um, in Ulaanbaatar who let us stay with them actually for a whole month. I mean, that's the kind of kindness that I know you've experienced and I experienced as well. It was incredible. I mean, I really appreciated my time there, but definitely felt uh, it's probably the most stressful country I ever found myself in just due to the the situations that we were we were subjecting ourselves to. What um, what kind of adventures do you have planned on the horizon? Are you going to continue on with kindness diary kind of stuff? Yeah, I actually just came back uh, uh, from filming season two of the show. I drove a fifty-year-old car from Alaska to Argentina. That's awesome. You passed right by me in Nicaragua, dude. You should have come by. Yeah, yeah. If I'd known, if I'd known you were there, I would have. <laughs> um, what kind of hobbies do you have? I mean, I, I know traveling is obviously one of them, but do you have anything that you like to do actively, or what? What do you do when you're not traveling? Uh, planning my next travel. Cool. And playing ping pong. <laughs> oh, nice, dude. Um, have you always been an avid ping pong player? You know, yeah, I used to I used to play ping pong as a kid. Um, do you know the rules of ping pong? Yeah, I mean, you'd have to refresh my memory. I haven't played in a few years. Okay, so it's first to 21. And I remember my lowest moment in the ping pong world was I was beating my brother 4-0 in sets, 20-10. And I lost 5-4. Ooh. <laughs> how, is that possible? How, how on earth is that possible oh we could go deep on that you know as, as a former athlete you know that mental side of the game is so important yeah I just I just crumbled do you hold the paddle like um, the Chinese do or do you hold it the western way the western way okay when I was living in China I, I learned the Chinese way and I can't go back I, I hold it that way for me it's so much easier for, for me to get my backhand going that way oh cool um, that's really cool, man. Um, so this is your full-time job now. I mean, you make a living off of the kindness diaries and I know you have books out there on Amazon. You got the kindness diaries, live, live, what is it? Live, love, explore, yeah. amazing adventures of nobody, the mojo diaries. Um, these are all of various income streams that you have in order to sustain your lifestyle. Yeah. Basically also give speeches. So I give speeches at schools and then businesses about kindness. It's quite extraordinary to think that I used to be a broker and you know, I always loved kindness because I know how it changed my life. And here I am, kind of by some fluke of nature, found myself living off travel and kindness, where I get to travel the world and meet people and experience their kindness. It's just quite extraordinary. It is. And just to give the audience and myself a little perspective, I mean, were you using seed money from you know your broker days or did you go out and pitch this to potential investors to help get this off the ground to start with i used the money that i had made as a broker and then as i continued people started to you know to, to fund the projects that's cool have you ever had any aspirations to i know you're not an actor and this is all very real but did you ever have any aspirations to put yourself in this kind of situation and be like the host of a show um not really but to some degree, yes. I mean, I first started doing this. Uh, I had I did a show for the Discovery Channel maybe randomly, like 12, 13 years ago, and I liked it. So I was like, wow, all right. That was actually, because remember I told you I, I gave you the short version, not the long version? Yeah. That was actually whilst I was still a broker. 
my my girl my girlfriend's sister called me up one day and I was in the office and she said, oh, I think you'd do great in this hosting gig. And I said, well, what are you talking about? I'm at work. She's like, trust me, just come. And I said, I, I, you know, I, I'll come tomorrow. She's like, you can't come tomorrow. This is the last day of auditions. And I was like, all right, I'll come. So I came and I got this job. And I was like, oh, all right. It, so I took some time off my work and went and did this. It only took a week or two. But that's kind of how it started. I see. It's funny, yeah, the twists and turns that life throws at us. But it's great, it's great that you embraced it and, and you've continued to move forward in uh, a direction that now it sounds like you're shaping your life more in, in the way that you want with the, the whole kindness perspective and, and really connecting with people. I like that a lot, dude. Congratulations. Yeah, absolutely. You know what? I tell people sometimes, I say to them, think about when you're 96 years old and that you're, you're, you know your time is up and you look back at your life and you think to yourself, and you know deep in your heart that you haven't lived. Think how you're going to feel that you wasted 96 years of your life, your only life, by doing what other people wanted you to do. Um, don't be that 96-year-old. Amen, brother. That's exactly how I've always made decisions, too. You know, I'd rather be on my deathbed looking back saying that I tried, you know, rather than not trying and and regretting it. So I definitely find a connection to what you just said right there and, and how I am motivated to jump into situations that I'm definitely not comfortable in. Do you know there's a great song by One Republic called I Lived. Uh, I would suggest you and anyone listening to this uh, go to iTunes and listen to that song. One Republic, I Lived. That, I, that I, will inspire you to, to really not become the 96 year old <laughs> i'll do that i'll put that in the show notes for everybody to go back and uh check out after they listen to your episode um well that's really cool leon i think that you know how how is it now living in la i mean the contrast of what you do and then being in man i'd say the most one of the most unique cities in the world just because of hollywood and, and how people are all flocking there and how they respond to it is, is interesting. What, what kind of lessons are you learning from that kind of contrast? Well, the first lesson I'm learning is that if you were born in England, you always liked the sun. I would move to Los Angeles because every day is sunny. So it makes me happy. I feel like I'm uh, on holiday every day. Um, on a, on a grander scale, I would say, Sometimes to be put in a situation where you go out into the world and you meet and you connect and kindness touches your life in a beautiful way and then you're put into a situation where the place you live is not renowned for its kindness, it makes you, I think, a little bit more grateful, a little bit, have a little bit more perspective. Um, and uh, yeah, I think that's the main thing that I learned from living in LA. Yeah, no, I can, I can connect with that. Southern California's little bubble and people always ask me, you know, what's the strangest place you've ever been? And for me, it's Newport Beach, California, where I grew up. And I just, it's so unique in the way um, people operate, people think, and no no judgment passed. It's not negative, positive, whatever. It's just, I, I don't connect with it, which is why I live in Nicaragua. Um, you know, one thing I want to touch upon before we kind of close out here is there is something you said where you, you had in the beginning this feeling of guilt, for asking for help, um, which I experienced standing on the side of the road waiting, you know, to get picked up with my thumb out in the air. And I always felt really uncomfortable about that. Can you maybe go into a little bit of that feeling for the audience and, and what, what you think where that derived from? Sure. You know, we live in a society whereby we're told don't ask for help. 
asking for help is weak. Um, and certainly don't ask for help from someone who, you know, may have less than you. That's, that's not good. Like people sometimes say to me, oh, you know what, how dare you go to India or these poor countries and ask people for help? What's wrong with you? And, and, and uh, I, I turn around very kindly, very gently, and I say, well, are you saying that I can only ask people for help who have money? And for, the, for those that don't have money, I must say, you don't have money. So therefore, you cannot help me. You miss the point if you do that, because helping people has got nothing to do with how much or how little you have. It's got to do with how big your heart is and how connected you are to your humanity. So that guilt uh, is not there anymore, because uh, as you remember from the, the Indian story, the guy wanted me to sleep in his bed whilst him and his pregnant wife slept on the floor. And I remember saying to him, I said, Diru, that's not going to happen. It's not happening. And he turns around to me and he says, guest is God. And in that moment, had I said no to him, it would have been, I would have been upsetting him. So really, when you ask for help, you're just opening up your own humanity and, and connecting with another human being. Yeah. And, and by you being there and accepting that, you're fulfilling him with that sort of uh, fulfillment of knowing that he's doing something kind for somebody else, which is is a gift in itself. And I always felt feel like it's a two way street. You know, even though I sat out there with my thumb thumb out trying to get a ride, you know, the second you know I got in that car, it was kind of expected that you know I was there to create conversation and help the driver, you know, not be so bored. So I felt like it was kind of a two way street when I was asking for help as well. Yes, exactly, exactly. We. We just live in this world that's so um, materialistic and so it's so much based on materialism that we have forgotten our connection to the divine, to nature, to each other. And I want, in some small way, the kindness diaries to inspire people to remember that. Beautifully said. If you could just maybe sign off with an inspirational saying, a quote, something that's going to really inspire maybe that person driving right now on the 405 to L.A., to, to the job that they're not that psyched on the life situation they aren't finding very fulfilling maybe could you give us something to close with that might inspire them to take that first step out of that life situation I would say never never give up on your dreams and remember the great Englishman Winston Churchill he once said never 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 give up and that would be my suggestion for you today and for the rest of your life keep on going well, thank you, Leon. I really appreciate your time. Folks, you can check him out on The Kindness Diaries on Netflix or just Google it. Leon, you're a badass. We love you. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. Thank you again for joining me for yet another episode of Misfits and Rejects. Leon is doing some really rad work. Please check him out on Netflix, The Kindness Diaries. Really appreciate his time. And remember, if you want to support Misfits and Rejects, you can do it on patreon.com backslash Misfits and Rejects. Any donation is helpful. If you can't donate, all good. Please just share Misfits and Rejects with a friend. You think it might inspire to maybe take that first step out into whatever life they are hoping to design for themselves. And with that said, I think you're also very beautiful. Ciao. Thank you for listening to Misfits and Rejects. I hope this inspires you to think about your life situation, where you're at, and possibly make a big decision to choose something different for yourself if you're unhappy with where you're at in life. I hope these people that I interview inspire you to go out, spread your wings, and try something new. 
to live a different lifestyle that maybe your whole life people were telling you was the wrong one, but when in fact it's the perfect one for you. And I'll see you next time.